This is the Horse Radio Network. Diversity is top of mind right now, including in horse sports. This week, we're talking about what to do when you feel burnt out, how eventer Canyon Walker balances horses with his college football career, and what does one horse have to do with fortune cookies? Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy, to Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 70 of Heels Down Happy Hour. It feels like I don't talk to you guys that often How's anymore. How's it going? I miss you. I know. I miss you guys. It's kind of sad. One day when the world is normal, we'll all hang out in person again and it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We got to keep holding out hope for that. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, Ellie, how many episodes have you been on the show with us now? I mean, it's been, I feel like it's been a while. Oh yeah. Uh, I think it's, is it almost a year? No. Maybe. Was it? I think so. I think it's almost a year. Wow. I feel like I've known you guys forever. (laughs) I know. I know. Aw. So this episode is brought to you by Soap for Dirty Equestrians. We're huge fans of soap, uh, especially now in these (laughs) coronavirus times. Um, And we especially love the Soap for Dirty Equestrians line. The soaps are all natural, vegan, and cruelty-free. They smell delicious. Uh, Do you have a favorite, Ellie? Me? Yes. The um, upper-level goals. Lemongrass, so mm-hmm. good. That is a good one. Oh, see, I, I love the lavender. I love the lavender too. That's my favorite. The stressed out Amy. You could check out all the different soap options we have. We have so many different darling scents available by going to shop.heelsdownmag.com. All right, we have a really awesome drink this week. It's really delicious, and it's from Natalie in our Facebook group. It's basically a gin strawberry mash is what Natalie is calling it. And it's super easy to make. You just muddle some strawberries, add some sugar, add some gin, and top it with some seltzer water. You can throw in a lime wedge for good measure. It's really refreshing, she says. It sounds like a perfect cocktail for summer. Mm. All right, so it's time for news. Uh, Jess, why don't you kick us off? So this week, I find something really interesting. So... I guess the Australian eventing Australia has been under a little bit of scrutiny because they've not been up to par with a lot of their like numbers and safety measures. And then they just keep getting hit with like something each kind of every kind of weeks, it seems like something bad's kind of happened within the last couple of years. And so now the Australian Olympic committee has actually stepped in as long as, as well as the FEI saying, look, you guys need to step up your measures or you actually could potentially lose your spot for the Tokyo Olympics and they could actually pull them. So uh, it's kind of interesting because I didn't, I mean, I knew that different federations could kind of get involved, especially like, you know, the USOC and stuff like that for every different country. Obviously the USOC is for the US, but Australian Olympic Committee has kind of stepped up and said, you need to make sure your number participating numbers are up and then they need to make sure um, their safety measures that they had a couple of deaths. And I guess they're like really saying, look, you need to up your, you know, kind of demands on everything. And if they don't meet those demands, they're not going to reinstate them for the Tokyo Olympics. Wow. That's crazy. Could you imagine after like this crazy 2020 year and then now they have to deal with this for 2021? Right. It's a little weird. It's like, okay, look, you've tried and you've got all these riders that are like 
going for it. And then next thing you know, they can get their Olympics. So it's, it's, well, stay tuned, basically, see what they say. Allie, what do you got going on? Well, so I have a really cool one, but I'm going to summarize a little bit just real quick. Um, so you guys should totally look into this. But have you heard of um, the Cuban-American artist Felix Gonzalez Torres? I think there was so. Like a, okay, so there's this big thing going around on social media right now with um, like piles of fortune cookies in various places. So basically, this really cool artist kind of created these interactive, I want to I say it's performance art, but it's just basically like participant involved, I guess, where he would just do this series of piles of things where people would take them with them. So you kind of got to take the piece of the artwork home with you. Do you, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it started back in 88, but this specific one, the untitled fortune cookie corner was created for his lover who passed away from AIDS in 91. Um, So he invited a thousand people to participate globally and create these fortune cookie piles in like various places that then people would take with them. And it, it was interesting because it happened like just with the coronavirus and like, you know, are people even going to take these fortune cookies? Like it was just really interesting, but this, one person put the pile in um, a horse's stall, uh, which was super cute. But the horse in the photo is like in- more interested in the hay, which I'm like, <laughs> my horse would devour those things, plastic and all, you know. But just the art installation in general is just really cool. If you guys want to take a look, there's a lot of different interpretations, obviously, because it's art. Um, but I think just the whole idea of you know, getting these positive futures and staying positive uh, during this kind of crazy time and, you know, helping out artists who we can't really go to galleries or museums right now. So interesting. I think it's cute. Yeah. I mean, you just put horses in anything. I'll talk about it, really. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so what do you have, Justine? <laughs> So I wanted to talk about the Belmont, uh, which was a weird one this year, right? So it just happened last week. Uh, Tis the Law is the horse that won. But uh, keeping up with the weirdness of 2020, uh, the Belmont Stakes was bizarre for a number of reasons. Uh, One, in that it was the first leg of the Triple Crown when it's normally the last, because both the Derby and... Uh, The Preakness were rescheduled because of coronavirus. And then number two, the horses ran completely alone. Like there was no crowd in the stands. It was totally quiet. Uh, Nobody was there to watch. And then the track was shorter than usual. And so the Belmont is known as sort of like the longest and the most challenging track of the Triple Crown. And they actually shortened it, which is interesting. And that's the first time that's ever happened since 1925. So I have a question. Yeah. So I have a question. So with them being the longest usually and that they shortened it, do we know with the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness, are they going to lengthen them? We were all kind of talking about that. That's a really good question. I have no idea. I have not seen any news story share, you know, share that like what the um, rescheduled races will look like. But I wonder if like maybe the Preakness will be the final race and maybe they'll make that track longer. Um, that's something I think we got to wait and see. Cause I think they rescheduled. I just found the- it an interesting. Definitely. I think it's super interesting. 
I don't know. What a weird year, you know, all, everything is so strange, but it, it's really bizarre to think about the Belmont and the triple crown right now. Um, but we'll see if tis the law can yeah. keep it up. So if you guys love Heels Down Happy Hour, you should really consider donating to our Patreon. Any little bit that you can donate helps keep this show on the air. We love being part of the Horse Radio Network. And right now we're offering episodes once a month, but we're really trying to get back on our usual twice a month schedule. If you like what you read at heelsdownmag.com, if you like participating in our Zoom chats, uh, in our trunk shows, any little bit you can donate on Patreon helps us put that programming out there for you. So you can do that by going to Patreon and searching for Heels Down Happy Hour. And Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. So you guys both got some pretty cool kind of 90-day trial thing. And you guys, I really want to hear, it was like a supplement review kind of system that you did for Smart Pack. I kind of want to hear because both of you guys dealt with different girls and different systems. So kind of tell me about like what both of you guys had an experience and like what you thought about it. Yeah, sure. So I think all of us know Smart Pack is a supplement company, right? They sell all kinds of horse products. But the first thing that comes to mind when I think of Smart Pack is their supplements. Uh, and I got a chance to kind of go through the the whole process of everything that SmartPak offers. And it sounds like Ellie, you got to do it too, right? For Berkeley. Yep. And it was way more involved than I thought, you know, like I've used their SmartPak wizard tool online, which kind of helps, you know, it's like an online interactive tool that helps you sort out some supplements that your horse might benefit from the most. But this is the first time I've ever like enrolled my horse basically on SmartPak supplements. And it started with a nutrition consult with one of their expert helpers. Um, I talked to a woman named Kelly who was wonderful. She's also a greyhound owner. So we uh, we hit it off right away. And Kelly reached out and we scheduled a time to talk by phone. And she wanted to know everything about my horse, Mikey, like what, he, what his current diet was, what his exercise routine was, you know, what my goals are, what it's like living in Florida for him. And obviously my horse is not the easiest keeper being a non-sweater in Florida. He's had some ulcer issues in the past. So I have some like very specific supplement needs for him. And so, uh, we went through what he's already on and then, uh, we kind of looked at like what I would, you know, where I want him to be. And I was really impressed by Kelly. She had a lot, like a lot of knowledge and a lot more to offer than I really anticipated. You know, like we went through line by line the supplements he was on and I have them on, you know, like a, like a gut kind of proactive gut supplement to kind of keep ulcers at bay. And I have them on just like a general joint supplement. And she, we went through like the actual levels of support in those supplements that showed that he was really getting not enough to support him in any real way when you looked at research, you know? So, and I was, that was like really eye opening for me. Um, cause you know, you spent all this money on supplements and I was like, so I'm just throwing money away basically. Cause the levels were so low. It really didn't show that it supported him in any real way. So Kelly suggested that I keep, or that I try um, one of their smart combo pellets. So it was the ultimate pellets that we tried, which supports the stomach and the hindgut, and then also tendons and ligaments and uh, joint as well as hoof and coat. Uh, so it was just like a nice all around supplement. And it came in pellets that I fed twice a day with his grain. And uh, I thought it was great. Like my 
my horse could be a little picky about powdered supplements, but these came in pellets and he had no problem eating them. They mixed real well, like easily with his anhydrosis supplements and he looks fabulous. You know, I really can't complain about it. And, uh, and I can say that I, I noticed a difference, you know, it's been 90 days fully that he has been on these supplements. And like I said, he was on other things before, uh, but I, you know, he's always been a little bit girthy, which I think has always lingered from ulcery type behavior. And I have noticed that that's gotten better. But what about you, Ellie? What was your experience like? Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting because I came from a little bit of a different like way. So with Berkeley, I've, I can't remember what her name was, but there was basically like a seminar, um, that I went to at a farm locally in Connecticut where a lady from a smart pack, a representative came and talked to all of us about our horses or what feed they were on, like same kind of thing that Kelly went over with you. So I had already had Berkeley on actually the smart combo senior pellets even though he's not a senior, I just like that it gives him a little extra, you know, protection. So he was already on that, but I was having all those issues with the, with his breathing, you know? So I told, uh, my expert about it, uh, Julie, and we talked about it and she was like, well, why don't we try this breathe supplement? Smart breathe ultra is what we put him on. And we put him on a smart immune, um, just to help his immune system. And she said, you know, even if it's allergies, even if it's sickness, this will help him to just breathe a little better. Um, and I completely noticed a difference. I mean, my horse, I, he, he would cough like 30 times when I rode him. And after probably two months of this, I mean, it dropped down drastically, you know, and wow. I, yeah, I was really, I was really surprised cause I had low hopes to be honest, because of just how bad Berkeley had gotten. And I didn't know what the cause was. And my vet was just like, eh, it's probably like a different mold spore this year. I'm like, why aren't you giving me like a black and white answer? <laughs> you know, but I was, I was really happy with it. And I, I mean, I was just overwhelmed. Like she called me, Oh God, like probably every month just to check in and like, see how he was doing. And, you know, it was just really it was nice, especially for somebody like me who lives in the middle of nowhere to have somebody just call and like chat about horses, you know, it was nice. And I think smart pack just makes it so easy. So you get the, you know, the packets in the mail. I love their auto ship. Like I never had to think of like, I'm running out. I need to go to the feed store and buy more. Cause it just always came in the mail on time. And then, uh, the ultimate pellets that I got from smart pack actually qualified Mikey for the Colicare program which I know we've talked about in the show before, which is uh, SmartPak will reimburse you up to $10,000 for colic surgery. And as long as Mikey stayed on that qualifying pellet product, he remained eligible for it, which was just a super easy added perk that I didn't have to pay for. Like it was, it was nothing extra. Just, I, he just got it because he was on this product. Yeah. Berkeley gets that through his senior pellets. I mean, and it's huge. I mean, it's just nice to know that if something like that happened, you know, he would have extra insurance, you know, definitely. And this is a service that's open to anybody. So you don't have to try to navigate supplements by yourself by going to the smart pack website and just like looking at all the products out there. Cause smart pack carries their own supplements, but also, Pretty much every other supplement you can think of, they sell on their website. You can call and have an appointment with a nutrition expert that can kind of go through all of these things with you. Uh, and they're they're trained, they're knowledgeable. I was really impressed. 
A classic style updated with tech fabric. EIS's new Johnny Cool shirts will keep you cool on the hottest days. These short sleeve shirts are available now in white, navy, ocean teal, and sorbet. Pre-order at eis-wear.com. All right, guys, we have a great guest on with us this week. I'm excited to introduce Canyon Walker, who is an eventer and also a football player at Tulane University in New Orleans. Canyon grew up in Florida and fell in love with horses when he was six years old. Uh, he competed at Young Riders, and he's also a U.S. equestrian ambassador. Welcome, Canyon. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. So the last time we cut off with you, you were on the cover of Heels Down Magazine, which is, um, I think, one of our, like, one of my personal favorite photo shoots we've done. And you were still a senior in high school, and at the time you were balancing being an eventer and... Uh, playing football in high school, but also getting ready to play football in college. And now you're in New Orleans. So how's it going? Are you still riding? Yes. Um, I'm actually, uh, now I'm a redshirt freshman. So um, I've been here for about a year and a half now at Tulane and I'm really enjoying it. Um, where, you know, obviously some unique situations here as far as COVID goes, but still playing to play this fall and um, it look, really looking forward to it. That's awesome. So, Kenyon, I know before this whole COVID situation and everything, Tulane has a barn pretty close by. Uh, is it part of the school or is it just something that you kind of found? And um, are you able to get out there with all of like, you know, prior to COVID and all that? Were you able to get out and kind of ride and everything while you were at school? I was. Um, I was able to go and meet everyone pretty much the first week I got there. Um, that, that was definitely something very important to me. So I went out and met everyone there and um, the students are great. I, I taught rides with them while I didn't have a vehicle. Um, just really inviting. Um, but, uh, you know, to have that opportunity, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to ride at all in college. So um, to have that that at my fingertips is uh, pretty exciting for the future. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, to be not far and be able to do that and, you know, not having your horse there has got to be hard. So having that little outlet outlook and having people is awesome. And so, um, I'm not going to put you on the spot of like who they are, your mentors, cause maybe they aren't, but I met you years ago with the Hollings and I love them dearly. And I know they're a big part of it, but if you had to put one person as your mentor and everything, who would be sort of your mentor in this sport? And it doesn't even have to be an inventor. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, um, I, you know, I, I think from day one, when I first found the sport, I, you know, I was pretty troubled. I tried the, tried the hunters and, and that just was not, it, it just didn't suit me at all. And, and I, I knew I wanted to ride at, you know, something, I love the horse and I love being around them. I love everything about it. Um, but eventing just gripped me as far as I love the process. Um, everything about it kind of fits my personality. And so from the beginning at 13 years old, um, Jen Holling took me under her wing, you know, uh, you know, she, she really has become a parenting and really anymore. We don't even talk about horses as much, um, just as so much as, you know, how am I doing, how things are going? She's been to my football games. She just supports me in every aspect. So having someone like that, um, to lead me through the beginnings of eventing and, and just developing me as a horseman and, and uh, as well as my riding, I was, I was really blessed to have her. No, because, I mean, we could, and I didn't mean to put you on the spot with her, but Jen was, 
so cute and so sweet. And she's like, Jessica, you have to meet one of my favorite people ever. And, you know, she comes running up. She's like, you've got to meet Canyon. He's amazing. She's like, he's awesome. He is such a good, and this was before you went to Young Riders and everything. So it's been fun to kind of watch your process and like, you know, be somebody for people to look up for, look up to, you know, since you are a football player and, you know, there's all these different kids that think that they can't do both. And you've shown the whole world that you're able to do kind of this whole thing. So, you know, it was so cute for Jen to come walk up and say that. So it was, it's really cute. <laughs> yeah. And, and she, you know, introducing me to you guys, like, I mean, she's just, you know, the people that she's, let me be around the horses I've got to ride. Um, I never would have, you know, gotten to meet you guys, uh, being a tremendous family in the sport if it wasn't for her. So like I said, just, just really grateful for that. So I have a question, you know, since you do both, what is, is, what is your workout routine? Like, like, is the workout different between like, okay, I'm going to work on something for football and okay, now I'm going to work on something for riding. Like, what are different cross-training methods that you do, you know, for both sports, I guess? Is- um, as far as working out goes, I, I wouldn't say I've ever done something thinking, okay, this is what I, this is going to help me with my riding. Um, really, all my training is geared towards football. And, you know, the, the two sports are just completely different. You know, in, in football, I'm trying to be violent. I'm trying to be fast. I'm trying to do more. And in riding, it's just the opposite. It's, you know, being finesse, being quiet. Um, you know, you shouldn't see what I'm doing. So in that aspect, I, I think it's made me a more well-rounded person. Um, but as far as working out goes, I, I've never really had to do any specific exercises for riding. So, Kenyon, we were going to have you on our diversity panel last week, and I'm so bummed it didn't work out, uh, some technical difficulties. uh, But the conversation we had with four other diverse riders was just, like, super eye-opening and illuminating. And I was hoping we could touch a little bit about on some of the conversations we're we're hearing about diversity and inclusion right now, especially in horse sports. So I wanted to ask you, you know, have, are there some misconceptions or some stereotypes you've had to confront, you know, as a black equestrian? When, when we think about this sport, it's, it's just white women, right? But you're, you're not only um, diverse, but you're also a guy, right? So I'm just curious what your experience has been like. You said you started in the Hunters uh, and now obviously you're eventing. Yeah, um, I kind of take it in different sections. So you can look at it from being a black individual in this sport. And obviously, you know, there's not, you know, as a younger child, you like to have someone that you can look at to say, you know, that that resembles you to say, well, they're doing it. Well, then I can do it also. Um, And going back to those people that influenced me early, I was so blessed to be in barns and around people that, none of that mattered skin color being a guy. It was all about really working to a, a certain standard, you know, be developing yourself as a rider, being a great person. Um, and when focusing on that color has nothing to do with it, you know, being like, for instance, like the beautiful thing about our sport is it's, it's just for the most part, other than the dress, I was like, it is straight up, you know, clean cut. This is what you need to do. If you do that, if you're good at that, then, you know, you, you, you kind of get the credit that, that, that you work for and uh, as a result of, of, of what you do in the sport. So I've just been really, really lucky as far as not having anyone that ever was like, 
oh, well, you're pretty good for a black boy in this sport. You know, um, it, it, it was always, I was never put on a, a different playing field. I was never looked at differently. There was a standard that needed to be met. And, and that's what I worked to and strive to meet. Um, but you know, like guys, there's not a lot of guys in the sport, but then, you know, I transitioned from the small pool that I was in, in the beginning to look at the, look at the top of the sport, you know, they're, you know, the, it, as far as the world rankings go, guys, guys are very, very strong and, and looking to them for, you know, for how they do things, how they handle themselves and, you know, the work that they've put in and seeing it pay off, um, is really rewarding, but just going back to, you know, you combine being a man and also being black. It's, it's, um, definitely a unique situation. I, I, I try to use it. And one thing, my, my dad really, and really, really both my parents, I think that's another unique situation with me is I'm mixed. So I, you know, I, my mother is white, my dad's black and I've been exposed, you know, and from the beginning, they told me do whatever you love, do whatever you want, but whatever you do, you need to work at it. Um, and with that in mind, they encouraged me riding, even though, you know, I didn't, you know, have anyone that necessarily was like me doing it. Um, they, they just believed that, that, that working hard will get you where you need to be. And, you know, they're, they're without their support and, you know, seeing them as an example of what hard work is and mentors like the Hollings, uh, the Davidsons, um, just being around them, you know, that, that that set my eyes towards what I wanted to do. And I didn't get lost in the fact that, Oh, well, I'm different. You know, can you talk about how the two sport environments approach diversity? Like what can horse sports learn from football and vice versa? Like, do you think that there is a difference? Um, I would say looking from being in the horse community to looking at, um, kind of football is football is about, who can make the play, who can, you know, here at, at Tulane, the best 11 will play. And when you look at that, you know, whether you're white, black, it really doesn't matter. It's, it, it's evaluating where a person is, the hard work they put in. And so I, I would say that'd be the biggest thing. And, and the, the thing with the horses, which, you know, it's, this is something I think about a lot and I'm hoping to at some point create a program that allows people to be exposed to it because honestly, like, my mother came up from a very rural area. She'd, she'd been around horses, was comfortable around them. My father grew up in an inner city in a project where it just wasn't that like to ride horses, to even be around a horse wasn't even an option or a thought or, you know, we did, that's just not something that, that we do in a way. So having those two completely different, you know, people come together and have influence on me shows me the privilege I have because they have, they have changed. They've given me a circumstance that they never had growing up. Um, just the ability to even, you know, to be able to try to go to young riders and, and I own a horse. I mean, the, the first time I owned a horse, it just, it, it blew my mind. Now my sister, who's only a few years younger than me, they have my mother and father bought five acres. They have their own. She has a couple ponies out there. Like, you know, it's just amazing what, through their sacrifice, what they've done for us. Um, But going back, yeah, going back to looking at, you know, from the horse community to football is about, you know, football is everywhere. Like it's so much easier. You know, you pay a hundred dollars and you can play a season growing up, you you know, the, just the cost is not even comparable in any way. And to, for something that you can do when you're five, six years old 
to now where I am now pay for, a, you know, $90,000 a year scholarship, you know, is, is, is huge. So, so being able to get kids that would never have the opportunity to see or touch a horse, just making it more available, which is very, very difficult. I understand, but I, I truly believe there's, there's probably a talent, a person that could have an amazing future in the sport that will never, they just, you know, will never cross the path of it. So, you know, football, I think, you know, really any youth sport, any kid can go try low in, you know, you don't have to have a lot of money to do it and you can decide what something you want to do, but to never have the opportunity to say, I don't like that. Or I like that is just, it's, it's pretty sad to me. I know that you've been to young riders and everything, you know, with the riding and now you're concentrating on college and the football and everything else. But I just want to talk to you like, what kind of are your goals now with riding? You talk about all these great programs that you're going to, I'm sure get going and I'll probably be helping you along the way. I'm sure between <laughs> and all and us, but I just wanted to, you know, kind of talk everybody. Are you just trying to have fun? Are you going to get back into riding again, like competing ASAP? What are you kind of thinking next? So, Unfortunately, the football season kind of overlaps. They, they they have a hunter team, so that would be really the only way I could compete oh. currently. Um, which to you know, it, it's funny. There was a point where I'd say I'd never do hunters, but when that's your option and you love to do what you do, <laughs> you know, you just figure it out. <laughs> exactly. So, um, <laughs> so you know, I, I I've been talking to Miss Jen about that. You know about you know, things I can work on now that when I'm at home and I can do what I want to do and I can put the fences up, I probably wouldn't do on my, you know, in reality. So just trying to be as sharp as possible through school. Um, and like you said, you know, I, I do need to enjoy it. And this is because as soon as I get out, I'm trying to hit the ground running. So probably ride as much as possible around my schedule. And like I said, just, just, just try to maintain a, a certain amount of, um, practice and uh just 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 work on smaller things that i usually wouldn't want to work on if i if i had it my way gotcha well Kenyon, thanks so much for joining us it's been really great chatting with you thanks no for problem. coming Thank on so always good to talk to you <laughs> yes definitely are you stressed out relax because with our calm the bleep down stress kits each one of our kits comes with a wine-shaped stress ball, an eye mask, a cruelty-free soap from Soap for the Dirty Equestrians, and flashcards to help you keep it together. Get one for yourself or give it even better as a gift. And you can get them at the Heels Down shop, and you just go to shop.heelsdownmag.com. So something I wanted to talk to you guys about, which applies in the weird world that we're living in right now, but also just generally as... We compete and train our horses. Um, I just wanted to ask you honestly, how do you, have you ever felt like totally burnt out of horses and how do you handle that? Or just for you too, as someone who coaches people, how do you handle amateurs or juniors who are just, you know, going too hard, trying to hit training goals and then they just get totally burnt out? Do you have any tips on how you try to, you know, tell your students to recharge or take a break or what? Yeah, for us, like, I mean, it's super hard, like, especially during this whole period, it's kind of just been a weird sort of situation. So we try to, you know, in a normal time, try to stay motivated. So like on a normal year, not 2020, that we would do, you know, vacation time or like calm down time, November, December, January, once the shows kind of were off up and then we'd 
get focused and be like, okay, these are our goals for this year and everything else. And now with the whole 2020 is like blown up, like it's been, you know, you're not sure when the next event is for us. It was like really hard to be like, okay, look, we have to stay motivated without like keeping our horses, like just going full time. So with our clients, like we're a very competitive barn and stuff. So like with our students and our kids and like working students and everybody, we did something really fun. One of the kids came up with it. We did like a Thunderdome and it was like Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning. We would go and, you know, you couldn't go anywhere. So like we couldn't bring people in, but we had quarantined with our barn and everything else. So like they weren't allowed to go anywhere. We weren't allowed to go anywhere. And um, actually with our neighbors as well, they are show jumpers. So we did this thing called the Thunderdome and it was probably the funniest thing. We would have the kids compete and my parents joined in. Like it was, it was quite funny. I'm sure it's all over social media, but they would, we'd build them a course and they basically would go and we'd judge it. And it wasn't like, you know, your first round wasn't like timed or anything. We would basically go, look, if you have a chip and a miss, like you get points deducted. So we'd score every one of them afterwards. And so like finding something kind of different and cool was a little easier for us because we're in a big group. But what I'd say to the normal people is like, okay, why don't, you know, set kind of goals and they don't have to be competing goals. Like for us, it was like, Hey, who's going to be who on Sunday? And they made this whole like rivalry out of this barn where normally they're all cheering for each other. And now they were cheering against each other this whole time. So that was kind of fun and different. But for me, I just say, Hey, look, like do your goals daily and then your big goals. Like what are your huge goals that you're going to go for this year in the next five years, but then also do weekly goals. So if you're not being able to compete and you're not being able to do this, be like, look, I really want to be able to do this by the end of the week and make it really obtainable so that you see the progress. Don't, you know, if you're going beginner novice, go, I want to go advance next week. Okay. Well, that's obviously not realistic. So like, why don't you go, look, I really have had a hard time getting the numbers down this line with even poles on the ground. I'm going to make sure I get the numbers. I'm going to make sure I can add. I'm going to make sure I can gallop forward and get one less and just do sort of kind of like little goals like that. And they kind of just keep you motivated. They're like, I didn't do it. I got to do it the next week and keep doing those goals has been like a huge thing for us is just small little things to be like, keeping it fun and keeping it motivated during these weird times. Ellie, what about you as someone, you you know, you had a very active and competitive junior career, right? And now you have your own business, breaking horses, training horses. How do you stay motivated for yourself? Um, even if you're not showing as much as you used to be. Yeah. So I actually asked, um, Kip Rosenthal this when we were, um, on the zoom, um, cause there are times, you know, where I get home from, you know, working, full time and doing chores in the morning. And I'm just like, I don't want to ride. Like the idea of having to like get on is just exhausting, you know? But like, even in those moments, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to get on bareback and I'm just going to like, I'm not going to brush him on, pick his feet, ride him in halter and lead rope. I'm just going to walk around the pasture or I just like go and I do something. Um, and it like those kind of things keep me really motivated since I don't really have, I guess, show goals. You know, I try to, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to walk bareback. So I'll do some hill work or I'll do some turn on the forehands and, you know, we'll do some, you know, various leg yields and stuff, just like stuff to mix it up. And I think honestly, that kind of stuff has helped me not only stay motivated, but to help 
my horses stay motivated because, you know, to take them out and just give them a light hack and then let them go gallop in the field a little bit, they're happier, I think, because I think they can kind of feel that everything is messed up, (laughs) you know, like even though they're not, um, you know, directly affected, thankfully, by the coronavirus, they're feeling that like Matt and I are stressed out and like we're, you know, working all the time and trying to like figure out how the heck we're going to, you know, get everything done. I think that things like that help just like doing different things, you know, and kind of pushing through. I'm like, you know what? Like I have an hour before I have to feed or whatever. I'm just going to get on and, you know, goof off. And I think doing that has kind of brought, brought more of the fun back into it. Um, I, not that I didn't enjoy, uh, my show career, but it just, you know, it, 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 I got really like kind of depressed when I moved and I was like, all right, well now I don't have my show connections and I don't have, you know, a steady trainer. And I was like, what am I going to do kind of thing? And, um, so I think those kind of things are really exciting, especially with horses that, you know, like Berkeley, I'm like, I mean, I guess the horse is never really fully trained, but I mean, he's pretty broke, you know, like, it's not like I'm getting on with Q and we're like, oh, we're going to practice, you know, our spins today. So, you know, just doing different things that are, that are fun for both me and the horse, I guess that's what I would say. Do you ever feel that way, Justine? Like, cause you work full time too. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you nailed it, Ellie, as you know, from like an amateur perspective is at the end of the day, when I feel burnt out and I'm just like, man, the weight of the world, especially working in the news industry, like everything that's happening right now, like I take that home with me or right now it's like, it's in my home. Cause I work from home and it's hard to, it's hard to compartmentalize certain parts of your life. So I'm lucky that I can go to the barn and see my horse. Um, and that, you know, that kind of just, I try to remind myself like riding should be fun right now and it should be no pressure, even though I'm a very goal oriented person and very competitive. And this is an interesting time because the summer is my slowdown time. Like I won't have any horse shows now until October. Um, June was really the last month. So, so for me, I'm like, well, what do I want? What do I want to do this summer? And I think it's important to, to set small goals. Like you said, just like keep us working. Cause I don't want to start from square one in September either, but I also want my horse and I to both have a mental break and, and try to remember like, Hey, we do this cause this is fun. Um, and also as an outlet to get away from the rest of the world, but it shouldn't feel like a chore. So I, I have been staying home more than I, you know, this last three weeks that, you know, going to the barn a little bit less and giving him more of a break. But then I started thinking just this last week, like, okay, so what are my goals for the summer? And I took my stirrups off my dressage saddle and I'm just going to do a crap ton of no stirrup work all summer. Cause I want to be able to sit a whole dressage test by the fall. So that like, that's my goal for the summer. And it's something, <laughs> it's something that I know I can work on little by little over the summer with no pressure, right? There's nothing I need, you know, I don't have a horse show tomorrow. So, but I'm, I'm at the point where I need, I need to sit the dressage test now. So that is my goal is I'm going to, I'm going to do it this summer. And so when we're ready to pick up horse shows in the fall, like I know I can do it. Um, and that is as big of a goal as I want to focus on right now. I don't want, I don't want anything else on my plate, but I also think it's like, I think people need to realize that it's okay to take a break. Like if, if you're going to the barn and you're not 
feeling good about it, you're not having fun being there, then just give yourself a break. I mean, my horse is happy when I don't show up for four days in a row, you know, hundred <laughs> percent. Like he doesn't care that I'm not there. Yeah. So, so that's something yeah. to remember too. Like we put this guilt on ourselves, you know, and that is all in our own brains. So, um, yeah. And, you have and to I mean, the horses, yeah. And the horses don't have fun if we're not having fun. You know, if we're just going to be up there and be upset and drill on them, you know, they're going to say, screw you, you know, like that's not fun for them either. Exactly. But I think it's important to address now because everyone, everyone I know is exhausted. You know, we're all collectively exhausted together. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, it's time for Rose and Thorn. Are you ready, Jess? I'm ready. (laughs) You are ready. You go first. I can go first. So my rose is that during this whole crazy time of like COVID and everything, we've, you know, we're finally like slowly getting back to normal, which is part of my rose. But I guess mine's like kind of the same part of my rose and part of my thorn. It seems like it's the same, but we've had, we've gotten to spend so much time as a family, which is so nice because I think that was probably my rose last time, honestly, because we get to see Abby and like watch her grow and, it's kind of weird because Hudson, we think about like Abby's almost six months old. Hudson at six months had been to like, you know, every restaurant on the planet. He had gone to all these horse shows. He'd been everywhere. And like, Abigail's like never been to a restaurant. I don't think like she's never been anywhere. So it's kind of been a weird thing because, you know, in this crazy times we like, we haven't been able to. And so we, we still don't go to restaurants. We still don't go do all of that. So it's kind of weird, but you know, it's at the same time, that's my rose is like that. We've got to spend all this time. Like I've never been at home this much, which is kind of nice. Like I didn't think it would be nice. That was probably my thorn once. And so it's just becoming my rose. It's sort of nice. But then my thorn is that, you know, with all this craziness and everything, I don't, really know when normal is going to happen. And I'm not sure there is going to be a normal. So I guess my thorn is more than certainty because nothing really like bad's happened, but you know, it's just uncertainty of all that. It kind of makes it more stressful for everything. Like, you know, we try to plan all these horse shows and like try to plan like bringing enough people so like the kids can stay at home and stuff. Cause we, we do have to go horse show, you know, it's our job, but and we want to, like, we're dying to get back at it, but the kids can't come. So it's like, we're planning all this, but the uncertainty, like, is it going to last through November? I, I don't know. It's kind of, I guess that would be like my thorn, just the stress of not really what's happening. And I know that's kind of a weird thorn for me, but I don't know. I guess that would be my thorn this week. I hear you, Jess. What about you, it's Ellie? weird. Well, I mean, that's such a valid thorn. Um so I'll be, I'll be funny today. you be funny. Please. Um, my thorn is not so funny though. So I guess I'll start with that and end funny. Um, so unfortunately, I don't know. I've, I'm sure I've talked about it before, but my Rainer has been like on and off sound for oh, a couple months. Um, and we thought it was, you know, the weather change and, um, lots of stuff like that. So and abscesses and we tried different things. And so I finally, I was like, you know what, I've had enough, you know, he got to a point where I was like, you know, he's definitely lame now. I'm just going to do a lameness exam. So I called the vet out and, you know, I'm sure you guys all know how expensive a lameness exam is because we did x-rays and unfortunately 
Batman's osteoarthritis um, has caused like extra bone growth in his stifles. Oh, so, wow. yeah. So it's, I mean, unfortunately he was a horse that was started way too early and then reigned way too early. So his joints, like he's 13, but he is the joints of somebody who is a lot older or horse who's a lot older. Sad. Um, yeah, and it's an it's unfortunate, and I know it's a part of the industry, but it's um, it's sad all the same because I don't think a lot of trainers sometimes think about the longevity of a horse when you're just trying to go and you know win those money classes with the really really young horses, you know. So in any case, good news is it's fixable. So he's going to get some stifle injections. So, which is basically, I guess I've never had a horse that had stifle injections before, but I guess it's like a similar serum thing that they use for hawk injections. So he should be fingers crossed. Okay. To go back to like full work. Um, but I'm just, I'm glad it's fixable. You know, obviously I was praying for an abscess. I was like, he's going to hoof test him and he's going to have an abscess and then we'll be fine. (laughs) Um, but unfortunately it was a little more than that. And unfortunately I had to pay for Lots of x-rays, so that bill was exciting. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um, But, I mean, I also didn't x-ray him when I bought him, which is a no-no, people. (laughs) So that's my my thorn, is arthritis, man. But my my rose, guys. So I'm going to get sheep. I saw you posted on Facebook about this, and I was like, oh my god. You're getting sheep? She's moving yeah. into another species. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Matt said. <laughs> Is Matt really like Matt was like, okay, no more, you know, no more cats. But now we can go to sheep and he's okay with that or he's totally not okay with that. So I was surprised actually. So basically the sheep came about because I need to stay off the internet. So <laughs> these people this rescue, like three and a half hours away, oh has these four sheep that came out of a cruelty case. I was like, oh my God, they're so cute. I love sheep. Oh and, my gosh. Um, and like, I do a lot of like knitting and crocheting, but I've actually gotten into like spinning my own wool. Um, so I'm basically just like, you know, the modern day homesteader up on the mountain here. <laughs> um, I'm like, I'm going to make my own clothing and, you know, I no. bet you are. He's, yeah, I spin my own wool. I make hats and stuff from it. So I was like, well, Matt, I want to get sheep so I don't have to buy other people's fleece and like wool and stuff. And oh Matt gosh. was like, this is a terrible idea. The last thing we need is another thing to feed. And I was like, it'll be great. It'll be great. They eat the grass. They'll mow the lawn for us. And then Matt broke the tractor. Luckily, it was a $300 fix. So then we went to my friend's. Cause they have sheep, like they have like a hundred and they do it for like meat. And so they kind of talked to us about like the process and like the costs and like stuff like that. And then Matt, I swear to God, and he's going to deny this probably if I say it, but he looked at me, he's like, they're actually really cute. And then on the way home, he said to me, he said, I think I want to quit being an accountant and become a sheep farmer. Oh my gosh. Who are you? (laughs) I said, where did you come from and what did you do with Matt? He's like, yeah, we could get like 200. And I'm just like, what? 200. I, I, I've never been speechless in my life, but I was speechless then. I'll tell you. So that's, that's not happening, but we're going to get like four sheep just for like wool and, uh, to test it out. 
I also told Matt I'm not okay with farming things for meat because I will want yeah, to keep them. Yeah, that won't happen. I said, yeah, Matt, I couldn't let them kill a cat. You think I'm going to let them kill 17,000 lambs? Come on. So oh anyway, gosh. I'm getting sheep, guys. They're going to have, we're going to have cool pictures. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I can't. That's amazing. So yes, I've expanded to a new species. I think I'm just going to have a little bit of everything. Maybe I'll get an alpaca and a donkey. I still need to get chickens, though, Justine. They're wonderful. I love my chicken life, so I support that. Are they your rose and thorn? Actually, Did no. you catch the chicken? No. She's still at large. Big Rhonda <laughs> out there. Big Rhonda. <laughs> Jess is like, oh, my God. <laughs> She's okay. like, you to people. Us. You I think I'm laugh. crazy, but you have human children. I know. That's, that's yeah, even more scary. That is that is scary. <laughs> All right. So I will I'll start with my thorn. So I've been to two horse shows in coronavirus times and I have not been to a hair salon to get my hair cut and my hair is too long. I'm like just at the point where it's driving me crazy. Like I just cannot stay on my hair. Um but at the horse shows, uh the first show was a hunter show. So I had to shovel my hair that normally at like a normal length fits in my helmet. Fine. Does not fit in my helmet. Fine anymore. And, um, I, you know, I made it fit in my helmet and (laughs) the whole week after that horse show, like my helmet was very tight on my head, you know, like I wasn't like going to die. It still fit fine, but it was just snug, more snug than normal. But the whole week after that horse show, I just had this line <laughs> across my forehead <laughs> for like four or five days. And like, oh my gosh, no makeup would fix it. I just had an indent on my forehead. And um, I thought it was maybe at first because it was like red. So at the first I thought it was like, maybe it's like an awkward sunburn, you know, from the shade of my visor on the helmet. And like, maybe it's just like some weird sunburn. But then I went to horse show number two a couple weeks later and it happened again. And I realized, nope, it is my, it's it is my hair. head. It's my head pressing on the front of the helmet because I have too much hair in the hairnet. So, um, it is time to get a haircut is what this yeah. means. <laughs> yeah, that's how, you know, you've reached the point of no return. Yep. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm at that point where I really need a haircut. Um, and then my rose is, um, I'm grateful. I just went to a horse show, you know, it's, I went to the last horse show was a rated dressage show and they took it, you know, they took coronavirus very seriously. Everyone was in masks and I just thought I would be distracted. Like it just, it felt like a really bad time to spend money on a horse show. Cause, um, my job is crazy right now because of the news I've been working insane hours and I'm like, Oh man, I'm going to go to this horse show. I can't believe I'm spending all this money to go to this horse show for, you know, when I'm not going to ride my best. And then on top of it, there was a tropical storm the weekend of the horse show. It was just like a very Florida weekend. And so we, we luckily we rode in a covered arena, but it was just so humid and so wet every time you weren't in the arena. Like it was just an awful time to be at a horse show, but Mikey was wonderful. We got like our personal best scores ever at first level and just moving right along to you know, all our goals. And he came home with two blue ribbons and I just really couldn't be more psyched about him. And now my trainer's like, you should try to get your bronze medal. And I think I'm going to try. 
Nice. I know. I'm really excited. It's like Yay, excited Mikey. to have that like next goal. I'm like, man, maybe he could do it. So I think we're gonna try. So all in all, that is good super thing. exciting. Yeah, it was fun. It, it was like a nice moment of like good among months of being stressed out, you know, like I needed that. So it's a good rose. All right, guys, it's time for mailbag. And I have a really long mailbag from um, a listener who asked to remain anonymous, but I think both of you can, can give her some really good advice. So I'm going to try to very quickly summarize what happened to her uh, and see what advice you have. So this writer fell while riding recently and she broke her humerus in half. After surgery and six months of physical therapy, she got back in the saddle and started riding. Naturally, she was pretty nervous at first, but she really pushed herself to get back in the swing of things. Um, But even like it was like a month or two back into riding, her horse spooked randomly and bucked her off. She landed on her head and got a mild concussion, had to get a few stitches. And this really set her back. Uh, It was really the moment where she realized she's not invincible and fear set in. So her trainer was really helpful and was really trying to help her get her over that fear. Well, it was all going well until um, she had a moment where she was at the mounting block trying to get on her horse and the horse kept fidgeting around the mounting block and she was hesitating to get on because she didn't want to fall. Usually she always has someone hold him for her when she gets on at the mounting block, but the trainer found out about that and said, no, you have to do it yourself. Um, So she was determined to get on on the first try Uh, But she had all these people watching her, I guess, at this time. And she started crying, just felt this like intense pressure. And the trainer was there and was holding her foot in the stirrup and telling her to get on. And after she refused to get on during this whole scene, the trainer just left and like took the horse and put him in a stall. So it sounds like a very dramatic moment. So she tried to speak with her trainer after that twice to explain what happened and why she felt so fearful. But the trainer wouldn't listen She decided to then even take the horse back out of the stall and go ride just by herself, not for a lesson. And later the trainer did text her and apologized, but she, you know, that it left her feeling mad and sad and she's not even sure how to talk to her trainer now. She also feels really embarrassed that everyone at the barn saw that this happened and she feels like she lost her trust in her trainer and she doesn't know what to do. So, I mean, I can go first. I think it's, it's a really terrible thing, honestly. And I think that, you know, it's somebody that you do have to trust and it's your trainer and stuff. But I would say first off, like, obviously it's trainer knows that it's not acceptable and that she's at the fault. Like that's why she's calling. I would try if it's possible to talk to her and see if there's any way. Cause obviously you're riding with her cause you like her or he or she, cause you're like the person. And I would just say, look, like if you can get past that and like take it slow and go at it. But honestly, like a trainer, somebody that you're supposed to feel comfortable with and somebody that you're supposed to rely your trust. And if it's somebody that you can't really get past and truly can't get past without like literally thinking about it, then I think it's going to be a hard situation to get past because that's supposed to be your person. That's not supposed to make you feel embarrassed and feel like they're supposed to uplift you, not bring you down. And so I think you obviously know that it was a situation that wasn't great, but I would just, I would try to get past it because obviously you really like the trainer and you've been with the person for a while and if at all possible, but at the end of the day, sometimes 
it might not be that. So, I mean, that's my advice is it's, you're in a really hard position, but I would go with what your gut is. Ellie, what do you think? I mean, I think Jess pretty much nailed it in terms of like, that's got to be the person who's not supposed to push you. I mean, supposed to push you, but not to the point where you're, you know, in tears crying in front of your peers. I had a similar situation when Berkeley took off when I, we first got him and I was terrified for the longest time. And I feel like if my trainer had done this, I would have like completely shut down and almost never gotten past my fear of him, you know, bolting and stuff. But I think that the fact that she came and apologized or at least texted and apologized, you know, shows that she is noticing that she was in the wrong. And I think that like Jess said, just if, if you can talk to her and you think that she was honestly remorseful, if not, I mean, it doesn't sound like a good situation to stay in. If they're going to be pushed to that point that we were talking about how it's supposed to be fun, you know, and I just don't think this sounds like a fun situation. Yeah. It's sad. Definitely agree. I mean, I'm so sorry that happened to you, especially knowing that you already had an accident where you got hurt. It sounds like it's a good time to reevaluate. And maybe you need a break. You know, we talked about it. You know, maybe you just need to work on some groundwork and kind of building your trust up with your horse again, you know, before you even think about trusting the trainer again. That's a good point. Well, if you have a question for us and you want us to talk about it on the show, you can always send us an email by sending it to hello at heelsdownmedia.com. You can also post it in our Facebook group, which is the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. And if you want to hear more from us, you should subscribe to the Heels Down Brief by going to bit.ly slash hdbrief. And we want to say thank you to all of our partners this week, Soap for Dirty Equestrians, EIS, and Smart Pack. All right, guys, that's a wrap. We're going to get through this. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.